Have you ever dreamed of living on a paradise island? That's exactly what Yvonne Campbell will be doing for a whole year. Otherworld Travel presents Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. Thank you for being a regular listener and subscriber or follower of this show. As a special gift from me to you, I wanted to offer you this bonus episode of Life in Barbados, featuring the full-length version of the conversation I had in this week's episode with Alan Burke, a national and international champion. So I'm really interested about how you started out in the world of surfing. So where I was born and raised is a beach named after my family. It's called Burke's Beach. It's about a mile uh, south of Bridgetown, which is the capital. Uh, it's, a, it's an area where all my grandfathers, brothers and sisters lived. There were six houses down in this little area uh, on the beach just next door to the Barbados Yacht Club. And it just became known over the years as Burke's Beach because all the Burks lived there and it was a fairly open place. Everyone used to con- congregate there to build boats, go fishing, go sailing, uh, playing water polo right in front of my grandmother's house. Uh, all kinds of beach sports, be playing beach cricket, beach football, beach volleyball, <laughs> diving, snort, you name it. Amazing childhood life. And on comes uh, my generation. There's actually one generation before me that surfed, um, was Wayne Burke, which was my uh, cousin, nicknamed Doc. And then Steve Johnson, whose uh, mother was a Burke, and they lived next door to us. Their grandparents lived next door to us. And we started to use his board, actually, my brother and I, my brother Neil and I. And we started to surf right out in front of Burt's Beach. And uh, we then got into competition because we were a very uh, competitive family. The entire <laughs> Burke family is well known in, in the sporting arenas and in Barbados in various different sports and at competitive level, national level. And in many of the sports, international level, my my brother and I pretty much were the first Burke surfers that took it uh, at an international level where we were competing and uh, going on the world stage. That is very impressive. What what must that have felt like back then? If you were kind of first on the international stage, did you get much support from your local countrymen and so on? Well, international stage with surfing. Uh, yes, tremendous support. Uh, the first time really we got a little taste of it was in 1984 and the Barbados Surfing Association actually reformed in 1983 to take a team to the World Surfing Championships in California. They were only taking one junior. We were classified as a, a minor nation at that time. So which meant that because we didn't, we didn't have so, as many athletes to choose from, our pool was a lot smaller. We took half of a team. So we took one junior and four open surfers and one female. And the one junior that qualified that year was my brother. And I remember watching him walking out through in the airport because back then at the airport, you could actually hang over the banister and be right there as people were leaving. There was not the amount of security that there is today. And this is only 1984, which was not even that long ago. And I remember seeing my brother leaving the airport with a team in our national colors and that wow. hit me for six as they say in cricket i i was i'm going to be doing that that is what i want to do 
And at that time, my brother and I, we were, we were very much into to tennis and competing at, at a, a high local level in our age divisions, winning the, the national tennis titles, uh, Easter, summer, Christmas, doubles, singles. We were, we were winning a lot with tennis. And, you know, my dad, he was in all kinds of sports, but he was never really in surfing. He was very much into cricket and tennis and football, which is we, soccer. We call yeah. it football. And, um, and water polo and swimming and all these other sports, but never really surfing. So when we told him that we were dropping tennis to pick up surfing, I don't think that went down very well. And my godfather, Uncle Steve, he had just bought me the best tennis racket that you could get back then, which was a head professional. And so when I brought the news to him that I was not playing tennis at a competitive level anymore, I was focusing on surfing. Um, I don't know. I don't think he was too pleased with that either. But anyway, so we went from there and my brother went to California. They had little, very little success. It was a shocker to us. We, we, we thought we were good here. And then all <laughs> of a sudden they, the team went to California and, and, um, and, and learned a, a good lesson. Anyways, that lesson came back home and we built on that. And the next World Championships was in uh, Newquay, Cornwall, oh, Fisker really? Beach, England. Yes, I've been. And, uh, yeah, and, and I have a very special place in my heart for, for that place because I qualified to go uh, as a junior in 1986, September. And I went there. It was a, that was a shocker for me, because not because of the level, because I think we were fairly well prepared because we watched a lot of videos. We had a good idea from the air team going in 84, bringing home that experience for us. So we went very well prepared and we had Bill Thompson and Peter Corbin and um, Michael O'Dell was, was in our corner and really helping, helping the, the kids of that time, which is me. I was the youngest on the team. And I went to these world championships and ended up placing seventh in the world and basically becoming the first uh, individuals, sports person from Barbados to ever really get into the top 10 at a world championship level in, in any sport as far as I, I um, understand. So when I came home, that was big news. So I was seventh in the world in the juniors at 16. I had actually signed up to do a plumbing course at the local polytechnic. <laughs> and that was where I was going. I was going to become a plumber. Yeah. And um, so I came home and that set me up for a really, really nice career in, in surfing. And I basically became a professional surfer immediately. I had some very good sponsorship. I had an airline, which is now called Caribbean Airways. Back then it was called BWI, BWIA. We used to do direct flights to, to London and Miami and New York. And, oh, right. and, and I had all these, um, you know, uh, good sponsors that I was traveling all over the world and competing surfing. I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was doing something I love and, and that's where I went with that. So whenever we spoke, was it uh, a few nights ago, you told me uh, a bit of a story behind the first year that you started surfing. Could yeah. you confirm for us, when is the first year that you started surfing? Well, my mom died in 1977. And that, that, I was eight years old, my, my brother was nine, and my other brother was 11, so that was a shocker in our life. Mm. And my dad, the following year, picked us up and took us to Canada, which is where her, her family, she was born in Guyana, but her family 
uh, immigrated to Canada back in the 60s or whenever it was. And he took us to Canada to see the family and to Disney World. Now, I went through my entire life thinking that I went to Disney World in 1979 and I've done endless surfing in interviews. And I've always said I started surfing uh, uh, in 1979. But I recently was informed by my dad because I always knew I, I went to Disney World. And when I came back from Disney World, I started surfing. Uh, and that, that was what I knew. It was when I came back from Disney World. But I was enlightened recently, like months ago at a family dinner, that my dad said, we did not go to Disney World in 1979. We went in 1978. So all oh. my life, I'm, I'm actually a one year older surfer than I always thought. So I started surfing in August 1978 and not August 1979. So that's when I started. Excellent. Well, we can put it right in this podcast. There you have it. Uh, an exclusive. Yeah. Alan Burke started surfing in 78, not 79. <laughs> Thank exactly. you for that. <laughs> so you talked about Newquay and uh, Fiscal Beach and so on. So, you know, in the UK, that's obviously kind of very popular. Um, why would somebody come to Barbados surfing um, if they've maybe experienced something like surfing in Newquay? Well, first of all, Newquay is freezing cold <laughs> Good <water>. point. <laughs> when, when I went there, that was a shock I was leading up to tell you. It wasn't the level of the surfers there. It was the, the temperature of the water because I had never surfed in a wetsuit before going to, to Cornwall. So we were wearing a tiki, which was a very, very popular brand there. Bill Thompson knew the guy that owned tiki very well. And we, we were wearing these five millimeter suits uh, and and stiff and just tough. Um, but to really answer your question, Barbados is so open to every single swell that's out there knocking around. We we are 100 miles uh, to the east of the, the Caribbean island chain, so we stick out. So we get waves coming from the North Atlantic, from off of Africa, coming up from off of Brazil, even when there's systems in, in the Caribbean, we've had a number of systems in the Caribbean that push the waves this direction too. One in particular was 1999, Lenny, November. And basically we get waves from every single angle. So there's surf all around the island all year. So you get, you get waves any single time you hear, you're here. And especially if you're a beginner or intermediate to below um, intermediate down into to novice beginner there's waves every single day 100% guaranteed I've been teaching full-time now nearly 20 years and I think I cancelled about five lessons in my life two were because a particular spot I used was no waves but I could have moved over to the east coast that day but we just postponed it to the following day and the other two times were were man of wars and and uh, one other time was too 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 rough so you're talking five times in 20 years. So it's an ideal area to have a surf school. Actually, this area that I operate from and where I live, uh, which is between Freights Bay and Long Beach, the two-mile radius, there's about seven surf spots in this area that you can, you can go to and surf on, on pretty much any given day, especially as a beginner. And it's, I would say without hesitation, it's the number one area in the world to learn to surf because of that. Not only because of the waves, but it's absolutely beautiful. You're talking 
you know, turquoise, blue water, crystal clear, you're surfing with the turtles. Uh, Freight me in particular is a, a long rolling left hand wave, super slow, really easy to learn on, absolutely perfect. And I don't know how many more reasons you need to, to come here to surf, but I think that's enough. So I I would be probably quite cautious thinking about learning how to surf. Uh, probably not very comfortable in the water. I, I dive. I'm very comfortable underneath the water, but not too sure about on top of it. But for somebody who was maybe thinking about uh, trying to learn how to surf, how would you convince them? Like, what objections do you hear? And how do you convince them otherwise to give it a go? Well, I don't really like to go into to that stage where I have to convince you to come. Uh, if you show interest, I'm certainly going to encourage you, but I'm not going to force you. I, same with my kids. My kids growing up, they were exposed to beach environment from day one. Fortunately, we've always lived on a beach. Uh, so I, I provided that opportunity. They went into it. But I, I, don't, I don't like, you know, I, I have had some parents come and want to get their kids into it. And, you know, I would, I would say a few encouraging words, but to me, no is no. And if someone doesn't want to go, um, I'm not going to immediately dismiss it, but I, I'll try to do a few little things to, to encourage it, you know, uh, just sure. have them there, point out a few things. So if you came and you showed any kind of interest, the first thing I'm going to tell you is, first of all, you're guaranteed you're going to stand. You're not coming to learn to surf with me and not, and not stand up. We, we're not going to assure till you stand up. I use what I, in my opinion, are the absolute best boards in the business for learning to surf. They're, they're foam boards. They're very well designed. They're so fun to ride. And most importantly, they're safe. Now, how I operate in my surf school, safety first, fun second, learn third. <laughs> Excellent. So the first thing is we got to keep you safe because if you're not safe, you know, your health is the most important thing and your physical health is the most important. And surfing is very safe once you, once you have the right guidance. You've got the right equipment, you're choosing the right surf location, and you're choosing the right size of waves. You don't want to be taken into waves that are way out of your league. And if you're a very beginner, you don't want to go into wave conditions over three feet. You want waves one, even six inches. With the foam boards I have, you could ride waves six inches and have a great time. So, you know, anywhere from, from a ride of a wave, six inches to three feet is an ideal beginner size wave. You don't want to go into anything bigger than that. The next thing is you want, you want to make sure that whoever's helping you choose the right size surfboard for you. So you can have a foam board. Now there are various different sizes. Now the, four, the, the brand that I use going one foot increments. So the board design is the, determined by your height, weight, and ability. So we got your ability already, which is very beginner. So all I need from here now is your height and weight. And I'm going to choose the right board for you, the right location, tell you where we'll meet. I have it all set up on my phone. So we do it via WhatsApp. I send you the exact location. You click on it and the GPS brings you direct to which location I use. Now the location is determined by the conditions on the day that you're coming and the level of, of what you are. So we, we're speaking of you, so you're a very beginner. So I'm gonna choose a location that has three foot waves or less for you. So I'm gonna send you that location the night before uh, we meet up. 
uh, we were on. I'll go through about, I try to keep the, the beach um, information as short and direct. I don't want to bore you out too much, but there are certain things that I need to, to get across to you to make sure that we are have keep my rate up, my success rate of standing on, on actually your first wave or your first lesson is almost 100%. So wow. these things I'll go through. The, these things I'll, I'll go through with you on the shore because the best place to practice is on the shore, on the board, showing you how to paddle, how to punch through the waves, how to stand. And I have a, I have a technique that is guaranteed 100% of your money back. Once you Fantastic. do exactly what I show you. That, that, that's amazing. Well done, I think, on that success rate. Uh, I'm not too sure how common that is, but that, that yeah. seems... Yeah, that that seems amazing because to me it looks it looks very hard actually, you know, as as a as a thing to do. So getting to um, to be able to stand up uh, is amazing actually, and mm-hmm. one of your first surf lessons. <laughs> yeah, it could um, be very it could be a very difficult thing or seem impossible if you're getting the incorrect advice, wrong location, wrong board, wrong size of board. Sure. It, so it's those it, elements it, it that come together. Perfect. Absolutely. I, uh, over the previous number of weeks leading up to our national pause, there seemed to be uh, lots of good surfing conditions, or at, I at least seen people out surfing. Um, one of the things I noticed was the amount of times that they, no, I, I don't know the terminology here, so you have to forgive me, but the amount sure. of times that they were trying to catch a wave versus just floating around in the water. And there seemed to be more floating around in the water and having a chat than actually actually surfing. What 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 do you expect whenever you go out? Do you be expecting, you know, when you're out in the water, like 50% of, 50% of your time to be trying to catch waves? Or what does it feel like to be out in the water? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to just say that I think Auntie Mia, is checking the surf forecast because the last time we had a lockdown, as soon as there was a, before the lockdown, we had waves. As soon as she locked down the island, the waves, there were still waves, but when I say, when I'm speaking of the waves I'm referring to here now, I'm talking like high performance, really good waves, like a good swell. As soon as she locked down, the the waves were not, you know, cranking, pumping, as we would say. As soon, the Monday, I talk in last year, the Monday, as soon as the beaches opened, a swell came through. The waves were pumping. Wow. Like, almost like she timed it. Then this one, right, this one, the waves pumping right before lockdown, up to the last day before lockdown. I talk in eight-foot solid waves on the south coast, which, which happens you know, maybe once or twice a year for a few days or could go, in, go into weeks. And as soon as we went into the 24-hour pause this weekend, the waves went down again. And guess what? Today, Monday, the waves are back up. Tomorrow's bigger. Wednesday is bigger. So anyways, I, I think I think adding me as a surfer. I, I, I <laughs> think she's a closet surfer. Excellent. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. So surfing, they say, you know, surfing is 90% paddling. Now, it all comes down to how, how focused you are out there, where you're sitting, you're positioning yourself, knowing how waves operate, predicting where the wave is going to go, knowing the reef you're on, making lineups with the beach. The lineup is a stationary reference point with the beach. You get out there because once you get out there and sit down, all the water looks the same. 
right? And everybody's moving with the current. But if you focus in on the inside and looking on the beach, at a tree, a coconut tree, or whatever your landmark is, not a cow or a dog or anything like that, stationary reference point, you can keep lining up with where the waves generally come. Now, the lineup is the general area within striking distance when a set comes. So if you're way out of position and you're not in the lineup, when the set comes, you're going to be too far out of position, and then you miss the waves. And I find that happens a lot. A, a lot. For instance, I'm out Brandon's, which is the, the breakdown behind Drill Hall, the surface call at Brandon's. And I went out there at 8.20 the other day. It was quite crowded because we are surfing in compressed beach allowance times, which is six to nine. If the beach opened up for the day, there would be no crowd. All year we have no crowd. All of a sudden we're down to six to nine. So, so hello, you can't blame the surfers. You can't blame the exercises, the walkers or whatever. You got six, you got three hours, so everyone that normally surfs on an afternoon or walks on an afternoon or exercises on an afternoon is now exercising and surfing on a morning. So everybody's yeah. out there busy. So anyway, so you're out there sitting down and it's quite spaced out. It can be deceiving from the beach. You look out there, see 40 people. Whoa, it's crowded. But really, truly, it's quite spaced out. Everyone is sitting, um, you know, five, six feet apart. And you have to wait for the waves to come. You know, you're dealing with nature. The sets come as frequent as whatever is pushing that swell. So a swell is, is a series of waves that are coming. So when we say a swell is coming, that means there's a, there's a, a cold front or a low pressure or a hurricane or a tropical storm coming. And that's um, producing a swell. So if you've got the Igor swell, which is Hurricane Igor, or which was recently... Uh, Paulette or Teddy, which we did a film on that, which was with my two boys, Josh and Jacob. It was awesome film. You should check it out. It's called uh, Box Bowl and the Burks. It's on Josh, Josh's YouTube channel, Josh Burke YouTube channel. Go and check it out. It's pretty sick. It's, it's really, really good footage of what uh, we have our considered world-class conditions, A-plus conditions, and we put together a six-minute short film, and it was, it was done really well. Quite a few of the local photographers put it, put it together. So anyway, so whatever's pushing the swell would determine the consistency of the waves that come in. So if you, I, I've been out already at Freight's Bay where there's a set of 30 waves, boom, 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 like a machine. And, and then everyone is busy catching waves. But if the swell is a dying swell or a building swell, you could get it inconsist inconsistent. So you're sitting down waiting on the waves to come. But then when the four or five waves come, everybody's on it. You know, the ones are in position. So, you know, it all depends on, on what's producing the waves will determine how quick they're coming. But it's a nice then social out there. Huh? You're sitting down chatting. It's very safe. It's open air. You're dealing with natural saline solution in the water, so you're cleaning yourself out all the time. So it's it's nice. It's a great social and turtles popping up everywhere. Oh, lovely! And that makes more sense to me now. Now the next time, I think I have a recording of me um, some time back. On I must ask somebody why they're all just they're all just sitting around out there. And now I know. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and the 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 box. Bowl and the Burks. Burks. I was going to ask you about that actually because I, I watched it uh, okay. a, a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. So somebody had mentioned it to me, and I had a little look at it. So that was a particular that that was over a number of days that this was recorded. Is that right? Yeah, it was one of the best swells we've ever had recording. Um, well, in ten years for sure, because you know this this it's funny thing here. It's very uh, coincidental. Back in twenty. 
2010, September, we had a swell that was produced by a hurricane called Igor, I-G-O-R, and it went north. And I had actually uh, coordinated a trip for a couple of the top pro surfers to come in and videographers and so on. And they came down and did an awesome, awesome clip and movie on that. Almost 10 years to the time, which is 2020, September, we had an almost identical swell for 12 days of, of eight foot plus surf for 10 to 12 days. Now, the difference between these two swells is Igor was one hurricane. And Igor approached Barbados from the east, which most hurricanes come from the east, uh, form off of Africa. Then the veer north. And once they start to veer north, and they get, you know, 150, 200 miles north of Barbados. You don't want it too close because then the swell comes uh, too, too sudden, too, too disorganized, and then the waves are all over the place. And then we get what we call wash-throughs. The, the surf spots are just like wash machines, just big wash-throughs, too much energy, too much push. But these systems pass just the right distance north of Barbados. And Igor was just one hurricane, but moved really slow. And then when it got north of Barbados, it turned and went due north and kept going. So the waves kept pushing. Now, this particular swell with the box bowl and the Burks was two hurricanes. It was Paulette came first. And then there was like one lay day where the waves dropped down to about four or six feet with a lot of wind. Because in between swells, you can get a lot of wind. It comes back to the normal um, trade winds, the east, northeast, which is not good for the East Coast because it's blowing onshore, so the waves are choppy. You want the waves to be nice and glassy. So Paulette passed, and as soon as Paulette passed, Teddy was right behind. So that's why we kind of uh, referred to that. If you read in Josh's caption, it's when Paulette met Teddy. Because right. the, two, the two systems connected uh, and produced 12 days of awesome waves. So we got, we got a really good six minutes out of it. We could have done a lot longer film, but, you know, nowadays, the, the attention span of, of people nowadays are a lot less because there's so much content online and on YouTube and Vimeo and all the, all the social media outlets and so on. So we kept it real tight to, to six minutes. And then what we did, we went to um, a beach bar down just outside of Bridgetown, basically at the end of the beach from Burke's Beach, down at the other end of Carla Bay called Copacabana. And they were so awesome. They welcomed it with open arms. Right? We contacted them and they decided, yes, we want to host this film. So we, we got this uh, 10 by 12 digital screen. And uh, we, now Thomas was the editor. And we had a couple other photographers, Mark Harris and, and, um, and Anthony Holder, which is Bell Films, my, myself and, um, uh, gosh, one, one other photographer, that we basically um, put together the film. We used everyone's footage and we had basically what was the first live surf film in, in I don't know, maybe 25 years in Barbados. So it was a really wow. good turnout. We had a, a couple hundred people showed up and it was, it was a really, really good night screaming and whistling and yelling. <laughs> and besides the box bowl and the birds, we actually, did a pre-film, which was called The Boys, which was eight minutes long, where we got footage of everyone that was charging during that swell. And we put that together as an eight-minute pre-film. And then we did one of Josh and Jacob. Josh and Jacob was really pushing 
the envelopes of that swell, you know, not just taking off big, but riding, riding the waves um, to, at a very high level, you know, and I, I think everyone would agree and, and be impressed with, with how they were surfing, you know, and that's how it that looked amazing. Thank it did you. look amazing when I watched it and I will put it in my show notes as well. So for those of you who are listening and want to see it, there'll be a link within my show notes to take you straight to it. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch, I would say. Thank you very much. So that, so that, that's absolutely kind of fascinating. And it sounds like Barbados has a lot to offer and a lot of local talent as well. You mentioned that you are on the South Coast and you mentioned about Freights Bay as well, which is also kind of South Coast. Where would you say are your the top spots for people who might want to try out surfing across the island? Because you did also mention the East Coast and things like that as well. And what are some of the differences between the different areas? Yeah, well, the East Coast, I mean, and the South Coast, you probably realize is the contrast is, is amazing. You know, the South Coast is really built up with the tourists, um, you know, the tourists links, the, all the restaurants, the bars, you got the St. Lawrence Gap lots of hotels it's like the tourist belt and and when i say tourist belt don't get me wrong we we don't segregate here the tourists and the locals mix wonderfully a lot of times you can't even tell who's who everybody's in one in the same place and it, and it doesn't matter and then the west coast is really has lots of nice hotels too but really built up with more luxury villas then the east coast is our most rustic side of the island lovely most undeveloped um it's very natural beautiful hiking trails and so on and it it tends to be rough because right. that's open to the atlantic so we get waves coming from off of africa and and the north atlantic that hit our east coast and it's generally um expert only there are many days where the waves are smaller and you can go at, at any level, beginner level, but that's rare. Generally speaking, there is always some energy in the water down there. So I would say if you are under in the intermediate, I would stay away from the East Coast unless you have someone guiding you and showing you and listening to the lifeguards down there, the red flags. It's happened before and it will probably happen again. We try to minimize it by getting this information out don't venture in the water hawaii has a great saying called if you're in doubt stay out and i would like to to steal that and say it here if you're in doubt no matter where you are stay out east coast for sure now the southeast side which is uh, lots of cliff fronts small cove beaches are generally for body surfing body boarding and expert level surf on surfboards because it's shore break type waves, short, quick. The wave comes out the deep, hits the shallow sandbar all along the southeast coast, which is generally from like East Point, which is the most easterly tip of the island, Ragged Point, all the way to Silver Sands. Okay, maybe that's stretching it a little bit, but I would say probably to Fall Bay, Little Bay, there are dumping very powerful shore breaks along that coast. Really nice to go to. The, the cliff fronts, you generally have to climb down. There are very few places you have stairs that you can get down. Then you're moving into like the southeast, which is where I am. Long Beach, Silver Sands, Surfers Point, um, where Surfers Bay Bar is, which is which is a spot the boys there call Grand Bay, which is a really nice wave. Then you're going to uh, Buffs, which is a... a 
a, a long time surfer, one of the first surfers on the island. Buff Edge lives right there. So we just call it Buffs. And then down to South Point. And then you go in front, the Miller's House. And then you got Freight's Bay. And all that area is generally beginner to intermediate. However, uh, recently we've had a solid swell, which happens every year. And it was, it was intermediate to expert level. And then all the way down the south coast, there's tons of breaks all along. Going down there, you got Dover Beach, which is Bonnie Dundee. Um, you got Ross Trevor uh, into Sandy Beach Lagoon area. Uh, the outside reef off of the Carrot Beach Bar and what we call down below, which is the reef at the very end, which is probably the best one. Capra Bank, which doesn't really exist now, could have built a groin out there to protect Acre Beach, which is the most popular beach on, on the south coast or probably on the island. Acre Beach, tons of people there on normal days without, without the uh, virus issues. Um, Capra Bank was a lovely left back in my, even my childhood days coming up, but the groin kind of spoiled that. There's Sunset, which is right in front at the Beach Hotel. And then I got one called, uh, down by Hastings Rocks, Tom Moores, which is uh, named after Bill Thompson, who is uh, like the father of competitive surfing. And we actually have a charity um, in his memory, which is called the Bill Thompson Charity that I chair. And what okay. we do, we, we raise funds and we do anything that's good. We kind of focus on things like what Bill liked to do, which is international surfing. So we host uh, the World Surf League uh, QS 1000 in memory of Bill Thompson every year. And we've done that three years in a row now. And in 2020, thanks to Mr. COVID, we, we uh, hosted it without the sanctioning of the World Surf League, which we did it as um, just as the Tomo uh, Independence Pro, which is through the Barbados Surfing Association and the Surf Promotions is the, is the body that hosts the World Surf League, but the Bill Thompson Charity funds it. And we do all, all, all lots of other little things that doesn't warrant um, saying we help out kids, we, we pay for their entrance fees into contests and membership fees for the Barbados Surfing Association. We give away boards. Um, we do signs for turtles, the turtle, um, Barbara's turtle project and the, the NCC, which are, is the governing body for looking after the beaches here is the, gov the government governing body. And just lots of other little things. We're doing a, a memorial plaque for another kid that lost his, his life recently. And uh, that, that will come out shortly. We're, we're in the process of doing that. Um, but yeah, we just do good, you know, so that's, yeah. that's Tom O'Brien, Bill Thompson. And then the, the premier wave to me, which is my home break is, is Brandon's. And that's off of the Drill Hall Beach or Gravesend Beach. There's a ton of names for it. Over the generations of surfers, the names spelt different. There's all kind of little controversy with it. But I, out of respect to the first surfers, and I've been conducting some interviews because um, I, I always want to do a, a book on the history of surfing in Barbados. And I conducted, I don't know, 20 odd interviews with surfers from the very first surfers, which we can date back to around 1964, 1965. And, um, and that's kind of where we think surfing began. And right. the, name, the name Brandon's came from the, the elderly uh, folks used to swim down there calling it Gravesend Beach because it was the, at the end of the beach where there's a, there's a military cemetery, hence Gravesend. And the surfers didn't want to, to, to call it the same thing that the, the swimmers 
were calling it or the beach goers were calling it or the picnickers so they started to call it brand eggs there's a little a couple different uh, elderly surfers have told me uh i don't want to call them elderly they may get a little annoyed with that uh, but they're in in their 65 70 year old range now that there used to be a house in the area called brand house but i've never gotten proof on that uh, but they just want to call it something different and they call it brand eggs and they used to spell it b-r-a-n-d hyphen eggs and it just went into, you know, Bajans bring in the dialect. They just go, they cut words in half and they just call it, oh, we're going out of Brandon's surf. And then my generation started to spell it O-N-S, which confuses everyone with the yeah, Brandon's beach. It's down by Brighton Beach. Right. Down the, on the West Coast. So that, that, that caused some controversy there. But anyways, around from Brandon's, then there's... Uh, the Hilton Beach, which is great for body surfing. There's Secret Rocks, which is a little point here. There's Thunder, which is all for the, um, the cannons. You go around the corner to Pebbles Beach, which is an awesome wave, but it's now popular for stand-up paddling and so on. And then there's Burt's Beach, which is where I grew up surfing at Burt's Beach, you know? So out of that, that's quite a lot of choice there you have, especially down the, 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 the south from east, kind of right through the west uh, coast. Yeah. What what would your what's your favorite go to if you just want to be kind of out on your own doing your own thing? Surfing, yes, surfing, surfing wise, yeah, yeah, surfing um, wise. Are we speaking surfing? I I love all other sports, um, but if we we talk in surfing, uh, Brandon's for sure. Yeah, you know, still although I've been living up uh, by South Point now for twenty odd years, um, Brandon's without a doubt would have to be still, I still consider it my home break. And that's where I think I started to excel. And Soup Bowl. Soup Bowl and Brandon's are, are my two favorites for sure. And where's the Soup Bowl? Soup Bowl is over on the East Coast. Now I just went through all those surf breaks. I haven't even touched the West Coast or the East Coast. So I just give you an idea how many surf spots we have on this little island. We're talking I think 80 miles in circumference, 166 square miles. Uh, you know, we're 21 miles long, 14 wide, and we got a gazillion surf spots. Wow. You know, so I think we can handle crowds. Now, obviously, the popular spots get crowded because they're quite convenient and uh, easy to go to, and it's almost guaranteed, you know, you're going to have some fun there. But Brandon's is a crowded spot, has always been. It's nothing new. You know, it's close to proximity of a, of a heavy populated area, which is Bridgetown and its uh, surrounding areas, which is, you know, the, the Garrison and the St. Michael Parish and Christchurch are the two most populated parishes uh, in our island. So everyone is easy access to there. And to come to South Point is a trek, especially when the oysters fish market licking, the traffic down there is terrible. Yes. So to yes. get from Brandon's, so with, with this, with the virus situation going on, I take in 10 minutes to get the Brandon's from my house. Normally that's 40 minutes with the traffic because <laughs> you got to go through uh, oysters, you know, the fish, the fish fry going on and the party going on, everybody crossing the road and, and all that stuff. But the West Coast, I haven't even touched that yet. The West Coast is the absolute best quality surf on this island. It's just the most inconsistent. Because generally right. we only we only get waves on the west coast when we get in cold fronts or north swells coming from um, snowstorms moving off of New York or 
or Canada wants those snowstorms. Anytime those guys get a bad snowstorm up in, in New York City or wherever, and it moves into the North Atlantic, boom, that's when we get an North swell. And there's right. nothing stopping the swell from coming from the North Atlantic all the way down to Barbados. It just keeps wow. coming. And when it arrives here, it arrives here very organized. And the West Coast, predominantly the winds blow east northeast here with the trade winds. So the West Coast is always offshore winds, which makes it nice and smooth. And the way the reefs are down on the West Coast, they're shelves of reefs. So you get this small little patch of reef, maybe, you know, 50 feet wide. And on either side is deep. So the wave comes through, only breaks on the reef and peels left and right perfectly. So you get what we call A-frame waves peeling with offshore conditions, super shallow. So most spots are, are expert only and not just shallow, but fire coral alive. So when you hit the bottom, it's guaranteed you're going to get cut. And not just cut, but you're getting cut with burning sensation. So when it feels like so like you get cut, feel someone got a, a match down inside your cut. Uh, so it's it gets it gets tricky over there. But endless waves on the West Coast. I I yeah. honestly I'm not even gonna go through the breaks because yeah. there are endless every single reef you can surf, and a lot of them, no one even goes to them. There's one there's one that that the fellas only recently start to surf. Like I know. Uh, Roger Edgel is the first person that I, I know surfed it because I used to live next door to him in Palm Beach when I first got married. We went Birch Beach, Palm Beach, Long Beach. I, I was in his house and I looked up on the wall and I saw this picture of this perfect barling wave. I went, Rog, where's that? He called it, man, that's, that's the bats rock right. I went up his side and right the bats rock right. So I started to surf it from then. So that's like 19... 94, 95. And I used to be out there by myself. And then a little while, a little later on, I used to meet up with a guy called Christian Booze. Used to be out there. I used to be uh, leaving, he would be arriving, or vice versa. Very rarely I was out there with anyone. I used to be out there wow. by myself. Now my boys, as soon as the swell is cranking, that's where all the fellas go. You get in, you get in like, like all the chargers, like Jordan, Josh, my son, Jacob, my son. Caleb Rapson, um, Louis St. John, Evan Mall, uh, you know, Bruce Mackey, all, all these boys now gravitate to this because it's adrenaline seeking. You know, yeah. you've only got this perfect barley wave, but there's danger involved. So if you fall, you're hitting a shallow yeah. shell. So anyways, we call that wave now ignorance. <laughs> or or, or as, as they say in Bajan terms, ignorant. Oh, they're ignorant, boy. Wow, so that's gosh. Ignorant. All along that course, then you move around to the East Coast. you got a spot which we call Boxway Bots, which we named the, the, the show off of. And Boxway Bots is named after a house that's on the beach right in front of the surf break. It's, the house is called Box by Box. And then, uh, unfortunately, um, our, our, our surf uh, buddy, Xander, uh, rode his final wave there and had an accident there. Uh, so the name is slowly becoming known as Zeeland. His monument is there. Uh, right. Some of the young surfers call it Zeeland. The older surfers still call it box by box because, you know, these things take time. Um, but, yeah, but we have a, a monument up there in his memory. And uh, we have all the monuments called Zeeland. So that's box by box and Zeeland. 
And that's an amazing wave. That's a world-class wave when it's on. And then going up there, you got Sandbank and, and then you have Soup Bowl and Parlour and Tent Bay and lots of waves. We could go on and on. But that Gosh, pretty much wow. rounds it out. So it sounds like there's a whole mixture, as you say, from beginner right up to kind of really advanced. So I would imagine a lot of people listening to the podcast might be beginners thinking about maybe taking their very first step into a surf lesson. And obviously you have your surf academy as well. So you're probably the perfect person to give us a few tips for beginners. So if somebody was going to come here on holiday and try it out, is there any any tips you would give them? Well, before you arrive, if you're definitely um, committing to going surfing, I would say the three main things you could do to start to get into shape, because you come here, it's a, it's a sport that you use up a lot of energy. However, I do make it easy for you because I push you around because I need the exercise. I put you on the board. I push you around. I push you in waves. When you need help paddling back out, if your pride or ego don't get in the way, I, I come in there and I... I dock my nose and my board on the tail of yours and I ferry you out and push you back out. But if, if you, if you be as serious, like you can be a serious beginner, you want to maximize your, your uh, time here. I would say you want to start doing some squats, some push-ups, and some sit-ups. You want to, you want to build your thighs, you know, and your, and your, your hamstrings and your calves. You want to build your, your core, your abs. And then obviously as I said earlier, 90% of surfing, they say is paddling. Not if you learn it to surf me, because I'll do that for you. <laughs> uh, but you want to build your shoulders and your arms. So push-ups come in, come into play there. So push-ups, sit-ups, squats. And I, I think you'll, you'll be ready. When you're in a bank queue, just before you come, you're bringing all your money to spend in Barbados. You want to be doing squats in the queue. And everyone <laughs> looking at you like you're crazy, you don't worry about them. You do your squats excellent especially if you're especially if you're in a situation where uh you your country might have restrictions or lockdowns so you're queuing quite a bit that's one way to maximize your queuing time exactly and what about the people who do come along to surf lessons um especially beginners like who are they what type of people are they oh that's always intrigued me and and whenever i'm teaching uh people at some point during the lesson i fit it in somehow what do you do? Where, what do you do for work? You know, it's not a malicious thing. It's just, I, you know, surfing all my life, I've come up. And when I, when I was coming up in the 80s, learning to surf, it was still kind of shunned upon and looked at as a, a beach bum sport. And I, I, I would like to say that I, think, I kind of think that I, I changed a lot of that here in Barbados thinking um, because of, I, I, I was, you know, I was always clean, um, never, never really drank growing up that much, uh, making up for it. No, uh, <laughs> never into to drugs, anything like that. I was focused on, on surfing. I remember going out, my friends would be drinking and partying, having a great time, not overindulging or anything. I, you know, I may have one beer if that, and, and just cruise at the party, but I was focused on what you had to do, you know, and I, 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 you know, I kind of put my mind to it. I wanted to surf, you know. So I know I lost my train of thought. I was going on I was, to something there. No, yeah, I was just wondering, like, who comes, who comes to learn yeah. how to surf? Yeah. So I always kind of fit it into the conversation, like what you do. Now I've I've taken neurosurgeons, 
doctors, nurses, lawyers, famous lawyers, you know, musicians, famous musicians, um, you know, people from various different bands, rock bands, uh, actors, actresses, models, um, plumbers, electricians. So the point I try to make is every single type, class of person, demographic, comes to surf. Old, young. The oldest male I've ever taken was 72. Wow. He was a former Olympic swimmer. He was still in very good shape, uh, I'll be honest with you. And he did, he did really well. And the oldest female I took was 68. So the oldest female is 68, oldest male is 72. So you got lots of time. You got Excellent. Lots of time. Wow. That's uh, impressive. And is there a particular time of the year for surfing or can you do it all year round here in Barbados? All, all year, summer Amazing. all year. It's summer Brilliant. all year. So Excellent. absolutely any single day of the year, 365 days except Christmas day because that's the one day I put aside for my family and then New Year's day because that's a tough day to wake up after all year's night. <laughs> they call it all year's night, not, not New Year's Eve. So all year's night is a party night in Barbados. Big time. Absolutely. So I, I got here on the 22nd of December and uh, I was here for, albeit a reduced party on All Year's Night, but I must say I was very impressed actually. Yeah. Uh, and I can imagine, I, I actually I can just imagine what it would be like uh, in normal non-COVID times as well. So looking oh. forward to that next year. Yes, you must. Absolutely. And Boxing Day. you got to come Boxing Day. Boxing Day is an amazing day uh, of social gathering in Barbados. Is it? Okay, yeah. right, right. I'll, I'll look forward to that next year. I've got my family's all visiting me next year over Christmas. We've just been planning it. So I'll definitely, uh, yeah, link link in with a few um, kind of social festivities. <laughs> nice. Sounds so good. my final question for you was, you mentioned a couple of times uh, your sons, Jacob and Josh. So it sounds like they've continued along the, uh, along kind of the family lines of uh, surfing and competitively so what are they up to at the moment yeah so i actually have three kids uh quite quite often uh people don't realize i have a daughter so ah. josh is the oldest he's actually 24 tomorrow and he's gunning for a career in professional surfing he's on the world surf league qualifying series tour um up to when the whole virus thing um basically shut down everything he was number 75 on the the World Surf League International Rankings, and um, and he's at number 12 in the North American Rankings. So he's trying to ultimately qualify onto the World Championship Tour. He's had some success. He's won a few events and done well in, in others, and he's had some outstanding performances at, at um, the Vulcan Pipe Pro, which is pipeline is the, the most famous wave in the world and, and considered the most dangerous. Um, if you're if you're going to Google it, you see what I'm talking about. Serious stuff. And then my daughter Jody is actually a really good surfer herself. She never really took to competition, and she rides all kinds of uh, design surfboards. But her favorite is on longboard. So she likes to do the traditional way of surfing. You know, side stepping, walking on the board, hang five in, hang ten in, being very graceful and looks looks beautiful on a surfboard. And then Jacob is just a year younger than her. And Jacob, at one time, was gunning for a career in, 
professional surfing too, but I don't, that's not his interest really anymore. He's uh, involved in uh, a lovely beach cafe down in Spikestown called 111 East. And he's, he's uh, has an ownership down there and, and plays a big role down there. And um, you, you got to go visit that spot too. And, but he, he's more on the free surfing side and he's now gone into really a mindset of, of charging big waves. He wants to do uh, the big twin waves and, and what excites him is uh, waves of consequence. Now, uh, he does still go and surf the small waves, but he loses interest really, really quickly. So uh, he's, he's into that. So he's not really competing. Uh, sure. My wife, Sonia, also, she, she, she surfed a little bit. She hasn't been getting any water much lately, but uh, she, she can surf. And she's a very talented artist and spe- does specialty work in, in the artistic field, you know, um, Venetian plastering and full finishing and, and oh, wow. trolling and gold leafing and murals and, and all that stuff. So she's really good with that. Gosh, um, it must be really nice to have a family activity where all of you are able to, you know, kind of spend time surfing at, at some point or another. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really yeah, interesting. We don't waste time. We don't waste Absolutely. time. <laughs> but we like all sports, huh? It's just surfing is is what kind of catched us and, and we gravitated to. But but we're into basically any, you bring us any sport, especially with a ball, we can compete. Really? Table tennis, tennis, football. Badminton, we even been playing badminton during these lockdowns. We have a badminton net on our on our lawn and and we compete against in anything. Dark amazing. Oh gosh. How long we could hold our breath if we could hit the coconut tree with a gutter perk. It's never ending in this household. People will see you coming. Here comes the Burks again. Yeah. <laughs> Here we yeah. go. Well, that that's absolutely amazing. So it is, Alan. That, that's been a really intriguing story. And it sounds like for whether you're a beginner, advanced surfer, there's plenty of options here in Barbados. And it sounds like it's something you can come and do, you know, on a holiday, go and try it out here and there for a few days or have a whole surf holiday as well. It sounds like there's enough variety of the different waves that you and kind of the the, the different kind of surfing spots that would keep you entertained for a good few weeks. Yes, absolutely. There's lots of other things to do in Barbados than, than sun, sea, and sand. And the first, um, first thing is uh, about two weeks ago, my family took me hiking. Right. And we went, we climbed up to the top of Chalky Mount. Amazing views up there on a trail. Whoever's doing those trails is doing an amazing job. I haven't got the information on it yet, but there's the mountain bikers has a bike trail. The walkers have a, a hiking trail. And you get up there, it, it's a, an amazing perspective of, of view of the East Coast. It reminds me a lot of the North Shore of Oahu, where we go every year. Um, right. And, and the last time we were there, which was last year, February, we went there uh, with Josh because he was in a pipe pro. And Sons, my wife and I, we hiked up on, on the North Shore uh, hiking trail and overlooked the North Shore. And I'll be honest with you, our, our East Coast is, I mean, I dare, I don't like to compare, but it's actually more beautiful. And Amazing. really, really lovely. And I, I highly recommend that. And then when everything opens up, we got the Harsons Cave as a, is a wonder of the world. Um, we got the flower forests for if you, uh, you know, orchid world. Uh, Hunt's Gardens is 
really beautiful. We went there uh, shortly after the last lockdown. Uh, you know, lovely, lovely gardens around. Um, you know, they got the, the, the motocross guys, you got Bushy Park, you got the rallies going on, cricket. Mm. Uh, there's nonstop things, you know. Barbados is a very sporting island. So yeah. we, 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 we're, you know, involved in everything. And I think once you're a sports person, uh, you, you respect all the other sports. So you're, you're interested and intrigued on, on that at a, once it's at a high level, you know. Sure, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to getting out and about once national kind of pause ends because, uh, I'd, uh, yeah, there's so much on my list to go and see and do. So I'll look forward to all of that. Yes. Well, I would love to, to guide you, show you around. Amazing. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely kind of get down and meet you in person once once we get through all of this. And I might even, um, I think you go out in morning still, you kind of go out uh, and try and do a bit of surfing where, when, when the mornings are good, between yeah. our 6 and 9 a.m. Yeah, I squeeze it in. And, and lately I've been surfing a lot, actually surfing, because I've been spending a lot of my time, I've become a photographer by default, because right. the boys require content for their social media and, and filming and YouTube channel and all that. So I, I kind of sacrifice uh, my time in the water. Like I get so many friends walk by and says, Berkey, you should be out there surfing. <laughs> but I am, I'm truly enjoying uh, capturing what they're doing. Yeah. You know? sure. So, so I, I, I invested in a, in a lovely outfit of, of camera equipment. So I'm not going to take a, a, a lot of credit for the quality of the stuff because I'm really just pressing the buttons and a few <laughs> little focus in here and there and, and a little steady hand. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been spending a lot of time filming them. However, recently I've been getting in the water and actually surfing and I've been feeling really good. I've been surfing between the six to nine, nine sharp um, on the beach and leaving. Yeah, sure. Know? So, um, but yeah, especially with the waves up, I've been getting a little piece in here and there. Yeah, excellent. Well, I'll be in touch in the next few days because I might, uh, I do my morning beach walks and things like that as well. So uh, I may kind of come and watch you out surfing between the six and nine of the next few days. But thank you so much, Alan. I really appreciate your time. Nice. Well, it was truly a pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I always love to share. Make sure you subscribe to Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island. Go to life-in-barbados.com forward slash subscribe if you've been enjoying life in barbados you're going to want to check out my other show the bucket list each episode i chat with locals guides and even some people i met along the way on various dream trips experience safari in tanzania road trips across the u.s and hiking across australia's national parks just to mention a few of the episodes go to otherworldtravel.com forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes